Hello and welcome to the iCoach Kids podcast with me, your host, Owen Mooney. iCoach Kids is a global not-for-profit movement that aims to support children's coaches around the world. This podcast is the perfect resource for anyone and everything related to children's coaching and youth development. Wherever you get your podcasts, please make sure to like and subscribe to our channels and follow us on social media at iCoach Kids Pod. Also, please follow the iCoach Kids pages on social media and subscribe to the iCoach Kids YouTube channel where you'll have access to the massive open online courses as well as a huge number of videos and webinars. Thank you for joining our ever-growing family. On the show today, I'm joined by Jer McTavish. Jer is the only National Diversity and Inclusion Officer with an NGB in the world working with the Gaelic Athletic Association in Ireland. She has had an interesting career to date in the sports industry, working as the Club Development Coordinator with Special Olympics Ireland, Club Development Manager with the Irish Amateur Boxing Association, and as a Gaelic Games Development Officer with Dublin GAA. Jer is also heavily involved as a sports scientist, strength and conditioning coach, performance coach, and health and wellbeing advocate. On today's episode, Jer discusses her coaching background and influences, the importance of coaching the person who's in front of you, valuing, respecting, and including everyone in your coaching, and much more. We hope you enjoy the episode. Jer, thank you for joining me today on the Coach Kids podcast. It's great to have you on the show. How have you been keeping? I'm good, Owen, and thanks very much for having me on. Delighted to be here and uh, to able to tell my story so uh, thanks very much I'm all good now. This is kind of like similar to any of the other previous episodes um, I know a lot of people who I'm interviewing and you're one of them but I've always had a few surprises um, learning something new from them or some about their background and I know our listeners are going to enjoy your previous roles your previous experience and your influences so I'm very excited for this episode so again thank you for joining us. Uh, just before we start and before we get into the uh, nitty gritty of the episode, coaching the person first, um, can you give your give us and the listeners a little breakdown of your coaching background and your coaching influences? Okay, well, yeah, th- there's a lot, I suppose. Um, I've been coaching for over probably about 27, 30 years now. So um, I think first, uh, my background is a sports scientist, so strength and conditioning. Um, psychology um, performance development uh, would have been my um, degree. I've also done um, uh, youth work and special needs uh, education as well. So I suppose I have a broad range when it comes to the kind of uh, coaching philosophies and the coaching background that a lot of people would have, um, where, whereas you have the technical side, um, biomechanics and the strength the conditioning but you also as well then have the development side which is the biological ages so when I trained as a youth worker as well we would have um, looked at the areas in mental health to physical activity to uh, physical fitness so and then uh, the emotions and the behaviors and the psychology that comes with um, being a coach and being a mentor and uh, coaching at different ages so it would be quite a broad range um, and during through the years I'm a self-directed learner so I enjoy learning more and gaining more and um, my sports science I went back as a mature student so I was retraining myself again after maybe about 10 years of, of um, coaching um, from Gaelic football to athletics um, to other different sports so it, it gave me a broad range of see how people teach, how people coach, um, how behaviors, how environments um, can all come together um, to help people um, uh, enjoy the sport or to love the sport or be quite competitive up to the high performance. Um, I suppose I've been quite fortunate. I've been able to, um, I think one of my first ever conferences in Dublin was Mike Boyle, a uh, strength and conditioning coach. Um, and um, he had a good and I suppose had a, a big influence on a lot of the strength and conditioning programs I would have used in my work. Um, 
And then I had the fortunate to be trained in IT Tala sports science degree um, um, there by Barry Solon, who's now at Arsenal, um, a good Mayo man. So we have, and, and I also got to, to be coached by a lot of um, high, uh, high performance coaches in Ireland from Des Ryan to um, Joe Smith to a lot of these coaches who, who I admired, who I, I seen kind of challenged the norm or also as well as that achieved um, how, to, how to be, a, I suppose, a good coach. Uh, yes, performance meant, but also they had really good relationships with their players and their teams. And I think that's for me, um, I think Joe Biden, Joe Biden now, I was going to say Joe Biden, but Joe, um, they have different ways of, of communicating with people. And I think that's as a coach, uh, you learn your own philosophy first. And, and once you're confident in that philosophy, um, it, it can work very well for you. Ah, so just in terms of when you started coaching, so you said you coached nearly 30 years, and that's a lot of experience, and you're a little bit of a predator of knowledge. Sergio mentioned that last night on his webinar, um, retraining and constantly upskilling. So how has your coaching changed from when you started to where you are now? What's the biggest change that you've had in your own coaching? Um, I think the biggest change is, is more the communication uh, end of things. Um, I found that sometimes the technical stuff or I had my session plan and I had to do it to the T and I had to have all the preparation and I'd still be like that. I'd still have preps. I'd still have notes in my pocket. I'd still be running around making sure of all the equipment. So my preparation has always been really, really good. Um, and I'd be prepping for a couple of weeks out and I'd even do a yearly calendar. So those kind of things is what you did as, as a strength conditioning coach, as well as just as a coach. Um, but what I've found is that you can use the same session over and over again by just adapting it very slightly. And also I, what I found was more feedback from the people I was coaching and that communication piece where um, not being afraid, first of all, to get it wrong. Um, and then the second thing of um, listening to the people who are around me and also to also to speak up when, when, um, you think it's just something, it, it can be something very slight. What I found even in the last couple of years that I've been coaching, I've gone in and I've done a lot more recovery sessions with teams, senior teams and juvenile teams. But then I've also done a lot of psychology, um, like virtual and then also self-efficacy and self-awareness. Um, and that communication piece of people knowing themselves and knowing their strengths and then being able to help them work on those strengths. Um, I think every coach that ever coached me probably wanted something different from me. And I think uh, what I try to say to coaches now who are going out um, to coach is you've got your own uniqueness. The children or the adults in front of you are going to have their own uniqueness, find their strengths and help them work on their strengths and not be looking at the negatives or the things they can't do. Always look at the things they can do. Um, so that's probably where my whole, and I'd be very competitive. So that, that competitive had to maybe take a couple of, uh, <laughs> yeah, come down a little bit notch as well. So that has definitely changed in my coaching as well. Class. So going into kind of the gist of the episode. So this episode is called Coaching the Person First. Um, now, you've had, and you currently have huge experience um, with working with different NGBs from the Irish Amateur Boxing Association, Special Olympics, being involved in the GNI, as well as your coaching background outside of your roles, um, different sports, different athletes, different abilities. So how has this helped in your coaching, the previous roles that you've had in your career alongside your coaching experiences? Um, I think what they've, they've done for me is I've seen the best coaches, like I've seen the top high performance coaches coach. And I, I've realized that a lot of the times it's their listening, their observations, um, how they speak to people, um, the respect that they have for, for learning. Um, and what I found even working with Special Olympics is that um, we 
no matter what we do, we're, we are all different. We're all learning different. We're all participating differently. Um, and we all go to sport for different reasons. Um, for me, the, the reasons why I'm still involved in GA and will continue to be involved in GA for most of my life is because it's the sport that gave me my friendships, my connections, um, my work, um, but also as well as that, um, it, it gave me my strengths and my character. So the character building of being a captain of, of a team in Connemara for many years called the Grania Wales to then being put into a, a position of leadership when you're a captain and you have so many people relying on you, you're, you're, you're definitely tested all the time. So that's, that's what I found maybe in my own personal kind of coaching and being a player and every coach wanting something different to then going into the different sports and being able to say, um, I'm actually going to meet you where you're at yourself. What, what do you want from the sport? Are you competitive? Or are you just here for the fun? Or are you just here to develop? Um, are you here to be with your friends? Um, do you want the family connection, the connection that's there? Do you want the structure? Um, and that maybe as I've gotten older, the commitment as well. Am I, are, are people committing to, to the sport? Um, and I, I've seen that even as a mother, I've seen my own daughter go through a lot of different sports. And I always said to her, try everything try everything as much as you can, try everything. I want you to run up mountains. I want you to play football. I want you to, to do horse riding, to do everything. And then when you want to, um, um, I suppose, commit, then pick the sport that you love. Class. Just, I wanna kind of delve into a little bit more in terms of um, going into now about inclusion, diversity, equality, and again, linking to your role now, but also your previous roles, you discuss um, there now about um, athletes are in it for different reasons, coaches are in it for different reasons, and especially in Special Olympics, and both of us have worked with Special Olympics Ireland, a great organization and fantastic work that's happening. And from the young athletes program, um, right the way up to athletes training for World Games, they're in it for themselves and you touched on lovely about their strengths and their friendships and their connections so with your role with previous role with special olympics how important was that community friendship connection element in order to make sure that the athletes felt part of something that they were working hard but also that they were developing themselves yeah so w when i worked in special olympics i was club development manager there so every aspect from the young athletes the program you said which was from four-year-olds up to um athlete leadership which is um a lot of athletes who who finished their sport and career but then come back in to to build more on their their kind of social abilities and their social interaction and being able to to be involved as a global ambassador so a lot of the special olympics work um, when you finish your sporting career, you just don't stop. You're still involved in Special Olympics. And one of the things that I found as club development manager was nobody leaves Special Olympics. Um, and that, that was a huge adamant to, to Special Olympics itself. Whereas we're quite competitive in other sports where uh, GAA, uh, football, soccer, FAI, rugby, um, you can be quite competitive in, in trying to get participants. But in Special Olympics, nobody leaves. And this is what I found is that the, the, the work of starting a child who's four years old, who may have an intellectual disability or maybe autistic, um, what you find is that most coaches will have a fear because they'll say the wrong thing or they um, don't feel adequate themselves. But what I find in coaches and once they're being reassured by myself or by other coaches is you're here because you want to be here as a coach and your intention is completely right. If you say the wrong thing, you can apologize. Um, and if you have a fear after your first day, that fear disappears. Your, your first day that you arrive down on that um, pitch or in that clubhouse, or you will see those fears disappear very quickly. Um, and it is getting past that first initial part. And what, what I've seen from special olympics athletes is what i've seen is them growing in confidence what i've seen is that their social interactions are so much better they're stronger in their own personalities 
they become ambassadors for sport, but all their sport. There's 14 different sports in Special Olympics. So they actually share that passion for the sport. Get very competitive. I've, I've <laughs> played with some very competitive <laughs> athletes as well. And they've, they've actually shown me how to be, and I'll give you the simple example. We had a National Inclusion Day, Fitness Day in the GAA just on the 23rd of September, and it tied in with European Week of Sport. And I wanted it to be that way because I wanted to showcase what the, the, the GAA does across the world as well as in Ireland. And I actually had a group down in, in St. Jude's in Temple Oak and we, we actually had, it was from a special school and there was a lot of children there with different abilities. And um, I remember one of the girls taking me down to normality very quickly because I kept repeating the exercise to her and she goes, I heard you the first time. And it was very simple. It was very, because she wasn't making eye contact with me or, and she was moving her hands and that, that was her side effects from a, a, a disability she has. I, I wasn't making eye contact with her. And because of that, my assumption was she wasn't listening. And she goes, I heard you the first time. And I just went, thank you very much. And she took me and she grounded me and off we went again. And like that, that that's what you need some of the times to, to listen and not assume. Um, look at the abilities they do have. Um, and, and I suppose that's helped me through my career as a coach. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm way better coach now at, at Gaelic football than I ever was. I think uh, that you've touched on things that are linked the way holds through your talk so far about um, there, those communication skills. So those, uh, the language that you use, listening, making sure that uh, you're reassuring not only yourself, but the athlete as well, um, especially athletes who have different abilities. But for the coaches, and especially coaches who are listening to this and who have that fear, you know, it's about upskilling yourself, having, having the confidence and just trying something out, but, you know, not being afraid. And again, it's, it's that, that fear element can be a huge challenge and a huge confidence um, bear for coaches but also for athletes as well so you know the athletes are learning the coach is learning and provided you have that relationship and that community element and building those kind of behaviors in the environment is massive and again a smile on your face goes a long way especially for <laughs> any athletes of any ability of any race no matter where they are and that is so important and your role with Special Olympics and um, people who are listening to this, um, my first day of Special Olympics was Jer's technically her last day. <laughs> <laughs> she helped me in the interview process, but uh, her role, and she was a big um, advocate of mine in terms of that role, but also learning from her herself. And I um, find it fascinating in your coaching philosophy the whole way through about behaviours and you know, language and communication skills again, but it's kind of has led you to where you are now. So in terms of your role with the GEA as the only national inclusion and diversity officer for any national governing body in the world, not just in Ireland, but in the world, how has your role now impacted on your coaching? But also, first of all, give the listeners a little bit of a background to what your role actually is. Okay, thanks, Owen. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a, a broad role, but I'll try to <laughs> narrow it down as much as I can. So in the area of diversity and inclusion, I, at the GA, I follow the footsteps of, of a lot of really good work done in GA for the last 10 years in inclusion and integration. And my role in diversity and inclusion is, is to continue that on. Um, so it, it encompasses a couple of... Um, programs sports programs first which is wheelchair hurling and camogie and then football for all and football for all is is a program that we run with the irish special schools and um, blitzes and provincials and then there's an all-ireland violin in Fro park every year very similar to come in the months ago for anybody who knows the competitions we have a primary school level in the gaa um, and that is to give young kids the opportunity to come into the GA and have that experience and have the experience in their community, but also then come to Crow Park and have an All-Ireland Final. Um, the other projects 
something that I work on as well on the uh, disability side of things is, is working very closely with the agencies uh, in, Car uh, in Ireland and also outside of Ireland as well with Sport and I um, and also with other organisations uh, externally um, like Down Syndrome Ireland or Inclusion Ireland. So we have a, a, a core amount of agencies that we try to collaborate with and, and put structures in place. So uh, at local level or local level clubs have access to, to the resources. We would work with um, Sport Ireland and the local sports partnerships. They now all have a, a sports inclusion officer, development officer in place in every county. So we work very closely with them as well. Um, and it is about a promotion of, of that you can go down to your local club, no matter what ability you have. If you're in a wheelchair, if you're autistic, if you um, have any um, other ADHD or any other um, disability or special needs, that we can try to help or facilitate as much as we can. What, what we do then in the area of diversity is, is the intercultural programs that we have from Lana Clubna, Stick With Diversity, and then uh, our collaboration with Sports Against Racism Ireland, which is um, different programs, different sports programs with different ethnicities. Um, and we bring them all together through the GA, through the game of sport. Um, and we've also worked with a lot of other um, agencies as well when it becomes um, responding to discrimination or racism or homophobia. Um, last year, um, two years ago, was the first time the GA took part in the Pride Parade, the LGBT community um, and a few other um, prides around, um, parades around Ireland. So we'd have a huge, I suppose, the diversity and inclusion in the GA is quite big. Um, but my message to everyone is that the, the, there has been many LGBT community in the GA for many years. And, and what we're just trying to do is make these people valued and make them feel visible in the GA. Um, but they've always been part of the community and they've always been in the GA. And we would see that with a lot of children who have uh, different abilities. Um, they've been coming through our all-star programs to our inclusive club programs. So it, it does range a huge amount from a simple sports program up to um, policy development, process development, and then also um, just a, a cultural understanding as well of what the GA stand for, but also uh, what we hope to achieve in the long term. And I suppose this year was the first um, year where we tied in where we all belong, the Otsdun Aligon, um, and we, we try to engage that, that there is a place for everybody in the GA. It is a sport that can help unite us. Uh, that lends itself nicely into the next question I'm going to delve into from my notes. My hands get massively kind of sore because I'm writing so much. <laughs> so, so we've talked again um, about your roles, but I want to go on to a little bit about the challenges with your role, but also in terms of inclusion and diversity as well. So what do you see as the biggest challenges toward kind of systems change for inclusion and diversity within sport? Um. I think at the moment um, the, the the system changes that are there are, are actually changing. I can see them in a lot of sport, and I think that's uh, complementary to the people who are there, the parents who've been fighting for the needs of their children, to the coaches who have had the experience of Special Olympics and other organisations who are now coming back into the the other sports and sharing their knowledge and saying we can actually do this. Um, I think what, what we found is some of the designs of our, our programs from, from the first time they were designed, um, people weren't thinking of a, a disability or uh, someone uh, who doesn't understand the English language or the Gaelic language. Um, whereas now that when we do design something, we take the full picture in place. So we look at the translation, we look at the different imagery, we look at the different structures. We, we also consult a lot more uh, when we are implementing anything. Um, there's a GA for all committee in the GA, which has a huge uh, impact in the GA and they look at those structures, the processes, but also as well as that, they ask local people in the clubs what you need and that's what we try to do um, and 
look at we don't always get it right but that that's what we try to as much as we can consult with the people who have the knowledge as well there's there's many people and i i, I would continue with my colleagues i would always go back to my old colleagues in, in special olympics and in dublin ga and, and many of the others and i would always ask as a sounding board do you think this is is okay do you think we're going down the right track so it, it is about creating your own network around yourselves as well not just not just um I suppose directing something and, and hoping it works it's getting the buy-in from parents the athletes themselves as well as um as as well as the system and that and that's this i suppose the sports systems ireland is constantly changing so i've seen that in the i coach kids um and a lot of that uh, i would, would have been introduced by sport ireland and coaching ireland into the i coach kids and i've seen that in in the coaching children course um and I would actually have been on there with Sergio. I, it was the first one they delivered to the, the local sports partnership. And they, they, uh, it was my first role um, in Special Olympics was to do that course. And that opened my eyes to a huge amount of work that's going on internationally as well. So just like, again, you, were, you mentioned there about um, being valued and visible. So the fact that the GA has a national inclusion diversity officer and a lot of NGBs don't. How do you think things will change now in the next couple of years in relation to other NGBs? Because as you said, they've linked in with you in relation to policy, in relation to what you're doing, how the programs have evolved since you came in and also the work program that you have has massively increased along with that. Um, but going back to again, in relation to that leadership and that importance of Yes, everybody being visible and valued, but also the fact that the NGB has actually put a person in so that they can be even more visible and valued in terms of the athletes going forward. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the right step. I think in, in our national game is our national game and it is our identity and it is our, our music, our culture, everything. But we are very much open to other nationalities, other cultures, other sports in collaboration. And I've seen that. I don't know, Owen, if you've seen it even in, during COVID with the IRFU and the FAI, and people working together and trying to pull their resources. So that's what I have seen from, from the area of sport. I think what we see is that a lot of the sporting organizations some of the times at the moment can be quite under pressure. So it is about um, maybe adding some person, a person directly responsible for it means that it actually is always on the agenda. Um, I do see that some of the sporting organizations already have that in, in different aspects uh, and they might not need a direct person, but they, as I said, I've linked in a lot with, with Sport Ireland and Sport and I in, in different areas and we continue to do so. So diversity and inclusion as, as an officer role is quite broad and quite a big role. A lot of sporting organizations would need a team because it's so broad. I think what, what I have in the community and health department is a very good team and a very good structure. Um, and when I came into that structure, because I knew the background of the community health and the GA, and I'd been chairperson of Dublin Health and Wellbeing Committee. So I, I, ha I had the understanding of that piece first and the organization itself. And then when I brought the diversity and inclusion um, more on the agenda. I think, yes, it, it, I would recommend it in sporting organizations, um, but I do know that some officers and some managers are already doing it and are already, and linking in with who we have already, which is those sporting, the local sports partnership, who have people directly in this area. Um, if if a, an NGB doesn't have the resources or doesn't have the funding, um, we can definitely work better together. I'm about sharing the knowledge and, and sharing the experience. And that's where um, I've seen a lot more collaboration and a lot more work succeed. And sustainability is what we're looking for as well. Alison, um, I want to kind of go back. You talked about um, staff and about different NGBs. And I know you're heavily involved now with Ulcer GA. Um, in relation to collaboration with the um, with the webinars that are upcoming, and you can speak about that now in a little second. But that's something that also Jane, on my previous role with also Jane, as the Department of Education Coach and Development Officer, 
with Shane McCann in there and Paul Callahan, they're still in there in terms of diversity and inclusion and equality with the wheelchair hurling and the footballs for all and the halftime games for the um, athletes with special needs. And that has seen huge dividends in terms of inclusive clubs, especially in Ulster. But one of the other aspects is we would have been involved with the game of three halves um, so again you touched on the IRFU and the FEA and the IFA, the GEA and Ulster Rugby um, would have done sessions at, at uh, Up in Crusaders and at, uh, at Seaview and you would have had children who had never experienced Gaelic coming wearing Linfield jerseys playing Gaelic playing rugby same yeah. children wearing Antrim jerseys playing soccer playing rugby playing Gaelic and that inclusiveness and that value of people's differences and understand people's differences um, and respecting their differences was huge. And I know that that's something that you're heavily linked in with also GA. So can you talk now about just about the upcoming webinars, Jer, and what the plan is for them and how they came about? So, yeah, thanks, Owen. Yeah, I've been working very closely with Shane and Paul for since I came into this role and, and previous to me, Tony Wattini and the Inclusion and Integration Officer. So the Wheelchair Hurl and Camogie um, was a competition that's held provincially and then an All-Ireland final every year. And it's gone from strength to strength. And, and it's more about having hubs. So it's giving that people that connection um, Sometimes the resources isn't at your, your local GA club, but your next door neighbor, your GA club might have the resources of a, of a hall where you can go in and play or even your school. So they've, they've done great work there and Ulster GA as well ha have, have launched a couple of, um, one was the ADAPT program, which is back up and running again with Galefest and then also with the uh, disability pathway that they had created many years years ago and the GA for all. So they've been striving and pushing this agenda for a very long time and, and it, it is about working together and it is about showcasing the best of the GA. So what we decided to do was sit down and, and after the National Inclusion Day in September what we found is that more and more clubs, more and more members, more and more coaches were asking us, um, Geraldine, how, how should we address this issue as a coach? Um, how should we, um, if a child comes to us with uh, uh, autism or disability, how can we cater and can you give us some guidelines on this? So myself, Paul and Shane and Aoife O'Reilly actually, who works in community and health department, she was with Special Olympics as well. We sat down and we revamped um, a course that was developed with Special Olympics, CARA um, and the GAA many years ago and we revamped revamped it to the best practices internationally. There's some tips from I coach kids in there as well that I would have um, put into there. Um, so we would have taken from all the best kind of practices across the world and put it into a new kind of five um, webinars, training series online. Um, so the whole thing has come together really, really well. We're on our third one, which is this, this Tuesday coming. Um, uh, so Shane did our autism in, in GAA last week and the week before was just an introduction of, of how we look at um, um, inclusion in the GAA. Um, and we, we take on the model of universal design learning. And it's an actually an American concept, but we've actually uh, adapted it to, to our GAA sessions. Um, and that's what we've, we've tried to do. And we've tried to include that in our webinars. Um, so the next one is uh, adaptive sessions. So what to do in the case of if you have a child who's a flight risk or you have a child who's in a wheelchair, how to accommodate, um, how to adapt your sessions, how to give them different um, activities, but also give them different roles and ask them, what can you do? What would you like to do? Um, so those simple questions or can I give you a hand? Instead of going and doing it for them, can I give you a hand? So we, we've tried to adapt a lot of the co uh, training sessions and they're, they're very short, they're 30 minutes, we're keeping them very short and they're very informative and it, it's more about an educational and awareness. Um, and then after that, we have um, Paul uh, giving a quick rundown of all the programs and initiatives that we do actually have running currently in the GAA from the All-Stars, the inclusive programs, the Blitzes, um, and then the programs in schools. And then the final one, um, that I'll run just in the first week in December is all around communication. So good communication skills. And then I'm just showcasing some really, really good case studies from 
GAA, LGFA, Camogie, Handball and Rounders. So it is taking the family of games in, into context as well, is that if a child is struggling with hurling, well, maybe we can coach Rounders. If a child is struggling with another sport, maybe we can coach Handball. You know, it, it's about looking at our games as a family of games and, and whatever game the child wants to play. Um, that's what we're trying to encourage is that you, you do have other options. Um, so those webinars are going really well. We're having huge attendance. Um, and then everyone gets the video of the webinars and we have more planned for February. Uh, um, people, when you're listening to this, you will, always, you will already have seen the link for these webinars that I would have put up. So the link that uh, Jerry was talking about there that's on this Tuesday coming um, has already passed, but the upcoming webinars, again, um, that link will be still on the iCoach Kids pod. Twitter page. Um, Ger, I love the way you were uh, linked nicely into where I wanted to go next. Okay. <laughs> you, would think that you would think the way the script. <laughs> so you talked about um, uh, asking the athletes and asking, asking them what they want. And my research with um, Leeds Beckett University and Sergio was my um, supervisor along with Nikki Clark. Well, it's through play and sport. And no matter what their ability it's so important to ask them in terms of the um, UN Rights of the Child Convention, Article 12 is asking them, actually getting them involved. And I think that, you know, even though a coach, that fear comes back in again, oh, well, I asked them, ask them anyway. You know, you, may, you, may, you probably won't get, you might get the answer that you want, but at least you're communicating, at least you're involving them. You know, and that aspect of asking them what they want, asking them how they're feeling even, asking them, uh, who they want to play with, asking them what they want to do. That is so important. Again, it goes back to valuing their opinion, valuing where they are and making sure they're visible again. So that is that is so important. And you talk, you touched on then as well about the family games. And I know that in your webinars and in the uh, aspect of the wheelchair hurling um, and coaches who, from a GA background who are listening to this, would understand the stepper principle. And that is... Yeah. That is vital for any coach. So the S is space, making it smaller, bigger, more narrow, more wider, whatever you want. The P is the players, the people involved, asking them what they want, putting them in separate groups, making sure they're with their friends sometimes, making them feel more comfortable, especially if they're coming to a club at the start that they haven't been there before. Equipment, you talked about if they're struggling with a hurl, can we use the render's bat? If they're struggling with a render's bat, can we use your hand to strike the ball? Um, the the P or the ST, the time and task, so making sure that they have the time to do it, but challenging them, so changing the task, changing the activity, making sure that they're not bored. But again, if you're if you have no idea about what how to change that, ask them how would you change this game? Let me see what you can do, and then they are change the rules. But you know, I know that that's in your webinars a lot, um, and that's something that the the people who attend your webinars will be getting a lot of and that differentiation, that change in the game and that promotion of the activities for every ability. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the things I find on even from my own training as, as a games promotion officer with Dublin GA. And like you've worked a lot, you've mentioned Jer O'Connor there and a lot of the, the game promotion officers. And I'd still have a, a, a connection, a lot of connection with all of those. And, we make it fun. We try to, as much as we, we bring our own um, character and the messiness, the, the bit of fun, the, the not take it too serious, the, the just the enjoyment to give the child, but also to give them the love of the game. And that's probably, um, it comes through. It's a passionate thing that comes through in yourself as a coach is how much you love the game and how much other coaches had an influence on, on my life. And, and also that's why I'm still playing and that's why I'm still coaching. But it's also, I think for me, it was the, the best thing I could ever speak about is the transition of, of, of me going from a, a player to a coach to then being a tutor of a lot of coaches in, in Dublin GA as well as, as other sports. And, to see the passion that it comes through when you are a coach and when you are a development officer, but also to see the results of my own daughter, I suppose, that when you bring it back to your own personal family and members and, and the people who surround you, your own family as well, the, the, you see your own daughter go out and play football beside you. It, it's probably one of the best things that I'll ever, ever remember is, is, is 
playing on the same senior level in Dublin uh, with my daughter. And because I loved the game so much, she engaged in it as well. Like she could have gone any other sport she wanted to. She could have ended up doing anything else she wanted to do, but she she got the passion for the, for the game because I was passionate about the game. And that's why I keep saying to people, people come to the GA club because they love it. They come to the sporting organization. Like when they hit their teens, they want to leave. Um, they don't want to, like they choose to be there when they hit their teens. When they're younger, sometimes it's the parents carting them down and the parents and, and there'll be a couple of rebellions and there'll be a couple of children going, I'm not going down and the hockey stick gets thrown and the hurley stick gets thrown and the helmet's on the ground and I'm not going. Um, and so you have those as well as a, as a parent, I suppose. Um, but to see the, the, the connection that you have and then see it in your children, I think that for me, that was probably the best thing ever I've seen. And I, I've seen how she has built as a character, her, her humanity, her empathy, her, her skills. She's now a, a, a teacher in, in, um, in the secondary school in Kuslifa and Lucan. And um, to see that is, is, is an immense, I suppose, and I'm quite proud of it. And I, I help do that a little bit. So that, I, mean, I think sometimes we don't take credit for that as well. So passing on the love of the sport uh, is, is what I'm here to do, if you know what I mean. Class. Moving on, we kind of want to talk about go back to your own coaching and how you coach and uh, your coaching philosophy a little bit. But what are some of the biggest challenges that you find as a coach for yourself? Um, I suppose some of the biggest challenges, I suppose, and I'll give you maybe a few different scenarios of, of that in, in, in the career and the organizations I've worked in. Um, I am female coming into a male dominated sport um in first of all in the GAA um I, I played Gaelic football for Galway for effort and was um development officer for the LGFA for many years um but I I came into a male dominated sport um and it, it, credibility and reputation I think is is quite um a, a, something to build up and and that's what I tried to do because uh, it is male dominated, it is a male sport and you, you want people to respect you and, and treat you with that integrity as well. Um, so that was one of the things I found that I had to show um, how good I was in my role and what I was doing. And sometimes went that extra mile to actually get there. Um, then also in the boxing, um, you're also a male, male dominated sport, but is now really, really um, making so many different um trailblazers in in the sport um from kg taylor to kelly harrington um and we would have ran our first ever women in sports program specifically for level one coaches in the iba and i, I was privileged to be able to run that for them and a majority of those coaches have gone on to be level two coaches in in the boxing so i think credibility in your reputation and also to be taken seriously and and to be respected I think they, they're, they're something that you, as a woman in those male sports, you, you push harder. But I was never afraid to push harder. I, I've got six brothers. Um, so I knew how to maneuver, manage, and uh, build a team before I ever left outside my front door. So I, as I said, that, that was part of my learning in my family. I'm the youngest of 14. So between the girls and the boys, I always say that mom and dad wanted a, a football team, a GA team. So I was quite, I'd learned a lot of skills before I'd even rented outside my own front door. So um, I think that's one of the things, and it's back down to your behaviors, how you treat people, how you speak to people, how you communicate, but also um, to that, that respect. And I, I, I will bring it back to, and, and all the sports that I've been into, because I've put in the hard work and the time, I, I would have that respect from other coaches and they reciprocate it and I would reciprocate it to them. Um, and I, I think that's the first thing I, I would recommend to people when they're looking about their, it, you challenge people, but also people like to be challenged. And then you also stand up for what you want as a coach. Um, and I, I, maybe I, I didn't realize that I had those qualities until other people pointed them out to me. And I think that's one of the things as a coach is other people can point your strengths out as well. And, and 
I'd be very humbled by people who actually would say, Jer, I think you need to take it easy there, or you, you might need to change this. Or you, so learning to critique yourself and, and not taking criticism and negative criticism to heart. Um, is people cr give you good criticism because they want you to, to do better. Um, so I think probably those are the ones that have, have helped me as a coach. Class, and I'll touch on some of that later on, kind of just with some things up, but I love the fact of the respect. It always comes back to respect, whether it's for the athletes, coaches, your community, your club, your school, whoever you are, it doesn't matter. It always comes back to respect and treating people with respect. Um, why don't we move on now to, Jared, to your coaching tips? So you've talked a little bit about <laughs> your coaching philosophy again, but also about um, making sure that the behaviours and increased relationships and have that connections. But what coaching tip would you give the Jerry McTavish starting out nearly 30 years ago coaching? Wow. Okay. <laughs> There's a, there could be a lot, but actually I, I think some of the, the coaching tips, uh, first one, good communication. Um, second of all, um, your whole body is your communication tool. So you're speaking, you're listening, your eyes, your hands, your body posture, coming in after a hard day's work and then going in to coach a team. If, if you're not smiling, if you're not joking, if you're not having the crack and if you're not um, wanting to be there, it will show all over your face and it will show all over your body demeanor and all of that. So I always say to people is that your whole body is your first uh, key to, to being a good coach is, is how you treat yourself, how you look yourself, how you, how you actually smile at people and talk to people. So that, that would probably be my, my key tip. Uh, like when you walk into a coaching session, have that big smile from grin to grin and be, be prepped and like that have have the notes in the pocket i i've learned to have the notes there's notes in every pocket i think of all my my uh, track suits to my coaching tops as well um and also feedback um uh, one of my first tutoring courses uh, was coaching with coaching ireland and it was uh, the bunthus course and it was many many years ago and i would deliver it through english and through irish in the gale schools and I remember one of the, the key things that we always asked in these tutoring sessions is the feedback and the feedback from everyone, the participants, but also the parents, people on the sideline um, as well. Um, I definitely found with uh, the different um, children and abilities that were coming to my camps and to my coaching courses was, was um, asking the parents what kind of mood the child was in or building that relationship with the parents as well if they're younger children. Um, and then if they're adults, it's given them that, that, as you said, they're already own, given them that respect um, that you treat them as a person and, and you ask them their opinion and um, you take it on board. Um, and that comes back into the feedback as well. Um, um, I would probably say to, my, uh, to the young Ger McTavish, I'd probably say, enjoy yourself because it goes so quickly. It really does. Um, and um, uh, also um keep fit keep the body mobile um i think one of the the advice i'd give to any coach is keep your joints mobile as much as you can when you come with injuries when you get to my age and you start having injuries i think it, in my coaching would be um it's 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 always about keeping the body healthy and the mind healthy and um i would be always saying to people is keep working on your mind because your mind dictates what the body will do and what it's able to withstand and resilience and so I would spend a lot of time with 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 people now I suppose performance coaching and, and that area of resilience and that area of uh, coming back from injury um, so I think I would always recommend to people to to mind the head and, and be be make sure to be to focus on that not just the physical aspect but the mental aspect of the actual game as well if the tips that I've learned along the way. If I could have told to myself many years ago, I'm not too sure I'd only be playing GA for Galway. I, I think I could have been doing a lot more. Um, so I think those kind of tips of keeping the joints well and keeping the head well is, is, is something I would, I would recommend to any coach going out there. Uh, so I've, uh, there's, a few, there's a few quotes I can always go back to sometimes and there's three of them and you can hit the nail on two of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The first is, 
uh, Levi Strauss, the discovery of others is the discovery of a relationship, not of barriers. You've mentioned relationships, you mentioned barriers, you mentioned making sure that everybody is valued and, and visible. Um, another one is you talked about uh, everyone smiles. You said every, um, your whole body is key to coaches. Make sure you're smiling. And it's an unknown quote. I don't know who said it. Um, <laughs> everyone smiles in the same language yeah and then the yeah. last one um goes back to the great john hume um may rest in peace differences the essence of humanity difference is an accident of birth and it should therefore never be the source of hatred or conflict so everything that you've discussed here and your previous roles and your role now about making sure that those behaviors create that environment the relationships the respect Everyone smiles in the same language, your whole body, using your whole body and enjoying the process. And you touched on as well about communication skills and how important they are for coaches, not only the language that they say, but eye contact and you know, your tone of voice, your connotation, using your hands, um, using different props, using the family games and asking the athletes, asking them how can you help them but actually getting their opinion. And again, goes back to you talked earlier on again about to go back to being valued and visible. That is something that's really jumped out at me in terms of this um, podcast. And it's something that has been, has been the overarching kind of theme of our chat is those friendships, that character, those strengths are there in everybody, no matter what their difference is. And it's about respecting everybody and making sure that you build those relationships but also that not only yourself, but the athletes, the coaches, yourself, your predators of knowledge, as Sergio touched on last night. You know, so constantly upskilling yourself and trying something out, you know, and having that little note note in your pocket. I use my phone, I screenshot my notebook. Okay. Have it in my pocket. <laughs> um, so I'm constantly looking at it, just have a, a little little glance at it because my sheets, my I I just use them. That's all I was doing. Um, but that uh, that reassurance for yourself that you have that plan, but it's it's a theme. It's not the be all and end all, and that you're constantly changing because you're watching the athletes, you're observing. You touched on that earlier on as well. You're listening to them. You've empathy. Um, but again, you want to learn yourself. You know, and you're using the athletes and the people in your session to learn about them, but also learn about your own coaching. And you touched on earlier on about um, thinking about your own coaching and coaches' reflections so that they get a critique from somebody else, yes, a critical friend, but also that they think about, well, why did I do that? How am I going to maybe change that for the next time? Would I do that differently the next time? So asking yourselves those questions on the journey home is something I know you do, um, and it's something a lot of people do, but it's invaluable. And especially in terms of reflecting on what you said, how you said it, the way you put yourself across. And I love that. that again, I'm going to go back to it. Your whole body is key to coaching. Love that. Not only with your yeah. contact and your voice connotation, but how you stand, how you carry yourself. And that is so important. Because the athletes will pick up on that, as you, talk, as you touched on earlier on. Yeah, and I think, Owen, to be honest with you, you've summed it up really well. And, and that is a message that I suppose I've, I've kind of always had because when you, um, many years ago when I wanted to learn sign language because of the athletes that I worked with and, and we used our hands, we use our facial expressions, we use a lot. So I think that's one of the things that we don't realize because when we're communicating. So we start to look at our whole body, like we shrug our shoulders, we do different things or our facial expressions. But if we can showcase to people that we want to be around them and we want to be there and we want to encourage them. And, and like that, as I said, I, I, probably one of the best experiences I had was um, Ireland Games um, a couple of years ago. Um, I, I got left the best job in the world was, was to get all the referees for all the competitions, um, for all the games, for the Ireland Games. And, and I, I couldn't tell you how many uh, contacts and emails and people who, who pretty much pulled out all the stops to be there at that Ireland Games and, and to do whatever they could. And I think it's that that nature that we have maybe as coaches, it's not just an, an Irish thing. I've seen it in other nationalities and I've seen it in, in, in other countries is that of 
when you become a coach, uh, you know, you want to give back. And um, I think because you, somebody has given to you that you want to reciprocate and you want to also give it back to someone else. And I, I've seen that across the board, but I've also seen um, the coaches who continue to learn and continue to make mistakes. We, we all make mistakes. I, I make mistakes every day. And I think it's, it's not to be constantly harping on those negative things is looking at the positive things um we can be our own worst critics i think some of the times as coaches um but i i've learned to, you learn to cope and to deal with those and and then move on to the next and um i keep bringing it back as you said about the whole body but our uniqueness is how we coach is is what will stand to us for years to come people will remember you because of your uniqueness because you treated them a different way you spoke to them a different way you made them feel a different way as a coach and um i see that in children all the time the the they're the best tonic to give anyone is to go and coach a, a group in the nursery of four-year-olds and i'm telling you they will tell you if you're a good coach or not so some of the times um put yourself into peter pan or spider-man or one of these um and and um, be a character for a day and i'm telling you you find out um there is a really good saying that is in peter pan whereas um and they the children ask uh, what if i fall um and the response to it is um oh but my darling what if you fly so peter pan is probably one of the so it doesn't matter if you fall um but you could be have the opportunity that you'll end up flying so i think that for me as, as a child story to be able to say as a coach is that don't be worried about the negative, just try it. Um, and that's that some of the time it's the, the, the easiest thing to do is, is, is go down to the nursery and, and play for a while. And I think that's you know, something that um, I coach adults and four, five and six year olds, but I don't really coach anybody in between for that reason is because anything I try with four year olds, no matter what they're building, no matter where they're from, I'll do with adults. And I'll compare and contrast them um, and have the stuff I'll do. And it's the same as other coaches having that trial and error and trying something out. But again, going back to changing things, asking them what they're doing. And as you said, they don't, they'll not be long telling you whether they enjoyed it or whether they're bored or whether they want to do something else. Um, because they, they, they will be your biggest critic, <laughs> those nursing yeah. kids as well. And actually, that's one of the things I noticed even uh, when I was Games Promotion Officer with Dublin GA, they had some really, really good coaching books. And um, one of the best one, and, and it was a very simple one on strength and conditioning. And I know um, Jura was part of that and, and a couple of other coaches were part of that. And um, there were basic body stretches and basic body games that we played for years, like uh, piggybacks and, you know what I mean, um, wheelbarrows, all those games that I grew up playing in the community games and in your local GA pitch so a lot of those is what I used as a GPO and they, their body weight they're what we use in our strength and condition but the fun you would have on a football field getting every doing everybody doing a three-legged race doing wheelbarrows doing piggyback like they're simple but their strength and conditioning their body control their they're everything that you could think of and I think that fun that comes back to anybody um any person um unless it's on the grass, the wet and, and dirty and all of that. But that's the bit that you had to it as well. Um, but I still have those images in my head of doing those training sessions and seeing people come away just motivated, higher energy, um, and just ready to come back the next week. That's a lovely way to finish. You finished on fun and enjoyment and getting them to come back week after week after week. Jer, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the podcast today. Um, just before we finish and say goodbye, just the fourth annual iCoach Kids International Conference is online on the 2nd and 3rd of December. Please visit iCoachKids.eu or on social media, iCoach Kids World, where Gary and Sergio and um, Barnaby have the links in and they've added a few more places. So fantastic lineup of speakers and a wonderful um, organization, obviously, but also um, a great conference that Jer has been involved with as myself as well. Um, Jer, thank you so much for joining me in the iCoach Kids podcast today. Um, cannot thank you enough. Really enjoyed that episode and our listeners are going to enjoy it too. Uh, thanks very much, Owen. And just to say the iCoach Kids, um, I use it 
a lot of the times and a lot of my work um, and have done since I've been introduced to it many years ago. Um, Special Olympics was the first organization to take it on um, when I was doing the, the young athletes and it actually has benefited the organization immensely. And I use the resources and I, I continue to share the resources and I'm looking forward to the conference and then the many more I coach kids opportunities that would be out there for people to learn and share. So thanks so much, Owen, for having me on. And, and Gnairim Bohar Lagachtana. Gamad. Take care, everyone. Gamayagachar. Remember, wherever you get your podcasts, please make sure to like and subscribe to our channels and follow us on social media at iCoachKidsPod. Also, please follow the iCoachKids pages on social media and subscribe to the iCoachKids YouTube channel where you'll have access to the massive open online courses, as well as a huge number of videos and webinars. Thank you for joining us today. Stay safe and take care.